Hey, Brian. Hey, Rick. Shooter McGavin here on a Masters Weekend, day two. Wow. So I heard your From the Tips podcast is kind of badass. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of From the Tips. It's me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-host, Rick Landis. Uh, buddy, my body hurts. Uh, I am sore in in many ways, and uh, you are married. So that's, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Going to work this morning was incredibly rough. <laughs> uh, after a few hours of sleep on Saturday, just a whole bunch of running around doing stuff on Sunday. And then my idiot self drank some caffeine a little bit too late to try to stay up. And then I stayed up too late. So I didn't even get to fall asleep till like 1030 last night. It was just overall not a great experience. <laughs> now, the wedding, the wedding itself was a great experience. Oh the next two days have been so rough, though, and I'm so excited oh. to sleep tonight. Um, no, the wedding was awesome. Um, we got so lucky with the weather, it being sandwiched in between two really crappy days. We got a really nice day. Um, everything was awesome except for like a few things that we've been pretty vocal about, but, um, <laughs> at our DJ, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but no, it was awesome. Um, sounds like everybody had a good time. Sounds like everybody enjoyed the food, everything. So. I would call it a success. The food selection at your wedding was like some of the widest range of, of available food that I've seen at a wedding before. That was our goal. We we decided that the one thing we hate when we go to weddings is when there's not enough good food mm -hmm. and not just not enough food in general. And we were like, we're not going to be the people that people leave the wedding and they're like, I didn't eat enough or I didn't have enough options for what I wanted. Right. Yeah, I mean, just the... Because usually at a wedding, especially like when we're talking about like the before and the during, like outside of dinner, everybody knows what to expect when it comes to yeah. dinner. Um, you know, usually you'll get, I don't know, three, four choices. Um, before the the reception began, I think there was like uh, over six choices of foods. There's a and, lot. And then in the middle, there was that and desserts. Mm -hmm. So, and then when you left, there was these, a little adorable cheese sticks. These little, right? little guys. Right. They're tiny little Amoroso rolls. It was it was so freaking cute. <laughs> um, you're leaving. You're leaving for the night. And you're like, man, I'm exhausted. What are these? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> little guys. Huh? So full from drinking and eating all night. Hello there. <laughs> Hello, little sandwich. Don't mind if I do. May I have two? I think I will. Because that's the other thing, too, is we were like, we hate it when you leave a wedding and there's nothing to eat and you have to like right. go find something. So we were like, we're definitely having something for that. Uh, after party was super fun at the hotel. So um, big shout out to everybody who's listening, who was a part of that of the day. Yeah, dude, uh, that was an awesome day all around. Um, can't thank everybody involved enough. That was that was a huge day. It was uh, super fun. I'm glad that we got to have uh, uh, like a really good time with it too, because you know I know that you weren't a huge fan of the DJ, but it's all about what you can do with the music you're given, I guess. Exactly. You 
So yeah, we we we, we danced the night away. I would say. Oh yeah, my yeah, calves still hurt. So <laughs> that I know. That's always my main issue when it comes to either like weddings or any anywhere that I'm dancing for most of the night. My calves, man. Yeah. Every time. Could be dehydrated. I will say. I will say this: the one thing they don't tell you when you're planning a wedding is how depressing it is when it's actually over. Oh yeah. Because you spend so much time like doing all this stuff for the wedding and the build up and everybody's all excited and everybody's having a good time. And then it's over and you're just like, okay, well now what? I mean, thankfully we have our, our honeymoon to look forward to and we're going right. to Hershey this weekend. So we have, we have things planned obviously, but like, it's like, okay, well now we're married mm-hmm. and, now you're and that's it. Just that's married. it. We're that's... never going to be married again. That's well, we're still well, married, but like we're never gonna have another wedding again. Yeah, you're never say. gonna you're never gonna be a groom again, and you're not gonna be a groom and a another either. wedding again, which is kind of depressing. But yes, we are married now, and life is good. So here we are. Yeah, but now you're a whole husband, so that's a brand yeah. new title. Yeah, you weirdo. You wearing the ring right now? Book it. There it is. Do you have a Do you have any rubber ones for work, or do you plan on? No, wearing- so actually, my plan for work is um. So today, I just kept it in my in my car. Uh, when I went to work, but uh, Gina's actually looking for me at the store right now. I want to get a chain. That way, when I go to work, I can hang oh. it on the chain and have it around yeah. my neck. Um, and then I'll obviously put it back on my hand after work. But um, yeah, that's that's, that's the plan. That's yeah, the plan. Good. That's a good plan. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about like post concert depression. I'm assuming it's probably the same. I've for, never been to a concert, for... so I can't tell you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's the same basic concept, right? You like vacation. For... Yeah, you wait for months, you plan this, you get excited, the day comes, it's the best, and then after the fact, you're like, okay. When can we well, do it again? And they're like, oh, that wait, again. that's the fun part, you can't. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun part about, about getting married, is it's, uh, it's that's it. You did it the one yeah. time, and, and that's all you all you, all she wrote. Thankfully, so, uh, thankfully uh, one of my best friends is getting married in about six and a half, seven months. So Something like that. Something like that. I don't know who that loser is. Uh, probably <laughs> should nerd. Probably should start married. worrying about that. <laughs> that guy. Um, it it is like six months around the corner. It is not far away, and that is yeah. petrifying. Um, I still got to make phone calls about cakes and you know tuxes and whatnots. It's uh... see because the problem is 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 we had a really great system going, and you you guys were really good about this because we kept saying. That's an after Gina Rick's wedding problem. That's <laughs> after they get married. And and now it's like, nah, it's, that's for after the holidays. Let's just get through the holiday season. You know yeah. I mean? You can't keep pushing it back, though. You can't. You can't. Because inevitably it's going to be January and we're going to be like five months out. It's like, okay, yeah. maybe now's the time. Um, yeah. like I'm once, once I recover tired wise, it's crunch time on the bachelor party. Like that thing is getting planned ASAP, yeah. Rocky, because I'm going to just keep pushing it off. <laughs> yeah exactly I, I look I, all all power to to you and and phil on planning that because uh that is uh i i i only just realized exactly how many people i uh <laughs> how many people i invited i was oh, like oh my that's a lot of oh, did that's you? a lot of people to navigate i feel i feel so bad because <laughs> i thought planning yours i was like woo. That was exhausting. That was like <laughs> seven people, including you. So it's six outside. Yeah. Of, yeah I think I invited 12, At 13, least. something like that. I don't, the, the, I don't look, remember I'm, what the final number is. And look, I'm the worst. You know, I get it. You know, it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyways, 
to get into the actual golf action as we are a golf podcast. There was golf this weekend. It was kind of a a small little thing considering it was only 20 players, but an important one nonetheless because we got Tiger Woods. Uh, his first actual golfing since, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the withdrawal from the 2023 Masters. Yeah, so for the first time he's played since then, obviously a lot has happened. You have the, the merger thing, et cetera, et cetera. This is also the first time he's been in front of the media, so that's also big. We'll, we'll discuss that, but obviously first things first, Tiger Woods is a golfer, so it, it only feels right that we actually talk about his play. Uh, ended up coming in 18th in a 20-player field at a no-cut event. Um, however, I believe the biggest takeaway here that we should all kind of understand, especially with where he's at now in his career, is he walked four days of golf, all 72 holes. And what did we what did we kind of learn here? And I, I really think what we learned here is that he can still do it, right? He's not doing yeah. it great. He's not lighting the world on fire. You know, he's 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 an 18th of an only 20 player event, but but he didn't get last. But he didn't get last, and he went full even, which at a good majority of PGA Tour events will get you a cut. Oh, you know? oh yeah, oh yeah. You could make a cut at even, you know, and you have you have guys like that get paychecks week in and week out on the PGA Tour, so mm-hmm. he can still hang. Is he up there with the greatest players in the world right now? No. Um, Obviously, he's got a way to go. He lost to the. Eventual winner, Scotty Scheffler, by 20 strokes over the course of four days. Yeah. He's got a ways to go. But like you said, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. positives to take away from it. And if we look at it from that perspective and the fact that I think the fact that he walked all four days is. Is monumental Mm -hmm. to him potentially making a comeback to the tour on a regular basis. Yeah, it's it's really huge just the that he's able to do that, because, you know, you remember the withdrawal from the Masters after. I would say about halfway through Friday, you saw him limping around. You're like, oh, that is just – that does not look good. You know, yeah. like, it just doesn't look like – like, day one, Thursday, I was like, oh, my gosh, he still has it. He can walk 18. He's not – he's nowhere close to the lead, but he's under par. This is big. And then Friday just like, all came crashing down with, you know, exhaustion, right? So yeah. the fact that he was able to walk all 72 holes and, you know, get even par is massive. Now, here's here's a big old shock. Uh, to the system though because obviously like i said this is the first time he's been in front of the media since since then or at least at at an event like this to have like post-round interviews etc etc uh one of the biggest announcements he made was that he's looking at 2024 his goal for 2024 being quote maybe a tournament a month that that's a pretty lofty goal those are pretty lofty goals right because last event you played 2023 masters and you're just played the hero and he does plan on playing the PNC championship with Charlie in a couple of weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's after the holidays. I think PNC happens in January. Um, but an event a month after, I think only it had to be under five events this year, maybe even under three, I yeah. can't remember the, the exact total, but that feels like a big jump, right? Oh yeah, definitely. It did. It- speaks volumes to where he's at in I want to say his recovery but it's been a decent amount of time. I don't know if we're still in recovery necessarily. Um which by the way, probably should have taken a book out of Aaron Rodgers's page uh page out of Aaron Rodgers' book cuz what the heck is going on with him? 
Um, really? The fact that he's already back. Anyway, it yeah. does speak volumes to where he's at in his process of coming back. And I think if we see him at a tournament a month, even if he misses cuts, that's still huge because right. of his age, mm-hmm. the injuries that he's sustained, and the pressure that he's going to be having from uh, TGL, from from Liv, from the PGA Tour, from all these things that he's going to have on his plate in the coming year. I think if we see him at a tournament a month, that's a lot. Yeah. And you know the compete levels there, right? He's obviously going to continue to be a competitor. And now I've, his week-to-week contending and like always being in the top 10, those days are far gone and, and mm. probably not going to come around. But if, it's a big if, but if he's able to month in and month out play a tournament there's bound to be one of those tournaments where he winds up competing for no reason at all and like finds himself yeah. in five spot and then maybe just the old tiger just takes over like it's the out of body experience yeah he gets win 83 that could happen it could yeah so that's gonna be exciting to watch as the 2024 season unfolds uh the the likelihood of him I guess playing in any like major um, tournaments outside of majors is probably pretty low. He's definitely going to play all four majors, no doubt about that. But like, I don't know if he's going to do like any massive events outside of like the players or things that you would get for the fifth major. He might play some smaller events, which might actually help him a lot. You know, I think that's, that's something that he could take advantage of to maybe get that that you know win number 83 yeah Uh, i mean looking at looking at the schedule like we have hawaii american express farmers at&t he might play that one that's a pretty i mean mostly just because of the views and stuff like that right um arnold palmer if he gets invited he'd play that probably but again the players is immediately after that so he might want to be there (laughs) yeah so i think I think if we went through right now, it would be pretty easy to pick which ones we'll probably see him at, assuming that he's able to go to these events based on his positioning and invites and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would expect most of his appearances to be at invitationals because he's Tiger Woods, so he's invited to everything at any time. He doesn't right. he just has to say, <laughs> I want to be there. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think he's going to waste his energy on a smaller event. I don't want to say waste time because it would right. obviously be beneficial for him to be there, but energy wise, I think he'd rather save his energy for the bigger ones and the ones where he knows he's going to have eyes on him because every, every athlete that's at the level of him is egotistical in some way and loves yeah, the spotlight. That's fair. so I can't see him just being like, Oh, let me just go play like the Wells Fargo this week. Why not? You know? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> Also, you got to think, like, does he reality check himself where it's like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to win one of these larger tournaments with all these guys here. Maybe I do Uh, need to start playing some smaller ones to get win number 83. Or do you think pride takes over at some point? I don't think he's worried about win 83. I think he's worried about the big, big events more more than win 83. Okay, and just like being there and you know helping support mm-hmm. the PGA Tour, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it's not like, and like you said, it's not like he's not planning on competing at these events. Like he shot a seventy-five the first day of this weekend. 
And he could have very easily been like, oh, my back's bothering me, my leg's bothering me, whatever. But he didn't. He came back and he shot under par 70 the next day. So that competitive spirit is obviously still there. And if he feels like he can compete, I think he's going to show up to all the invitationals. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you said, it's if it's an invitational, Tiger has an invite. He just pretty much has a working invite to anything PGA Tour or yeah. golf related pretty much ever. Yeah, um, because that's what happens when you're Tiger Woods. That's mm-hmm. you know, the same thing happened to Gary players. Same same thing happened to um, all the all the uh, major players from from times times in the past. So when you're that kind of golfer, you pretty much get invitations to anywhere you want. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. But on top of that, and in in uh, in a little bit extra as to the media time that Tiger wound up getting. Lots of questions for him, right? He touched on a lot of topics that that he's basically missed media time to talk about, from uh, his health, the PGA Tour, PIF merger, and the most recent and you know glaring news coming out of golf right now. That is the official ball rollback that is taking place um, on the PGA Tour and for amateurs. So that this is going to impact you folks, you listeners. So so listen up uh, here. So here's what's happening. So with the golf rollback, they're going to be um, uh, they're going to be, I guess, impacting how the golf balls are manufactured, made, how many layers there are, et cetera, et cetera, to make the balls less springy, less responsive to um, that kind of power and go less far. Basically, I uh, obviously I don't really have the science in front of me. Uh, have yet to find anything that really gets into what they're going to do to the golf ball. Um, but they're rolling it back. They're making it so that the, these heavy hitters with high swing speeds can't hit it as far anymore. Um, and, you know, there are mixed reviews out there right now. There's, there's you know, reporters that are on board, reporters that are off board. Same goes with players. There's players that are on board, players that are off board. Um, I'm interested to see that um, players like Tiger Woods and like Rory McIlroy are very much on board for the golf ball rollback. Yeah. Um, I, as a professional, and then we'll talk, we'll we'll touch on the amateur bit because that's that's what we know the best. Yeah. As a professional, right? If if you were to be one, would you be pissed about them trying to impact the equipment so that it it hinders you actively? Like they're actively admitting to making your life harder. Yeah, if I'm if I'm a guy like Rory or a guy like even like a Max Homa who hit who hit the ball decently far. I'm definitely a little upset about it. Um, it's obviously they're just going to change the way they play and they're going to work on their approach game and their short game to be better at that. But I'm definitely a little upset about it. If I'm a guy like Evan Kisner, where I don't hit the ball very far and I rely on my short game and I play in these tournaments where the course isn't quite as long and there's not as much advantage to hitting it far, like you need to be able to place your shots. I'm ecstatic about this because that means my percentage chance of winning tournaments has just gone up exponentially because I, we're all going to be hitting it even closer to the same distance now. And if I'm more accurate than you, I'm going to win. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you touched on like guys that can win with their ability to play around the greens and using approach shots, because there are reports that whatever it is they wind up doing, the ball is going to make the ball more responsive around the greens and, and more spinny. Um, so maybe that's the impact it has where like the harder you hit it, the, 
the worse the shot's going to wind up being unless you get lucky. Like the ball could just be so spinny. It's almost impossible to control off the club face, but yeah. And I could be mis misinterpreting or misunderstanding this, but the way that I'm like the way in my head that I'm picturing it by what I read and <laughs> the way I'm trying to understand it is almost like an amateur golfer picking up a pro V one and hitting a shot like they do with their normal noodle or um, like something like that, where it's way more forgiving. Yeah. Where it's way more forgiving and picking up a brand new pro V one and hitting it. And it just spins off into eternity. Like that's almost what I imagine it's going to be like where your club has to hit the ball very exact Mm -hmm. in order for you to get the shot that you're looking for. And again, I think it's going to mostly affect the higher end balls like the pro V ones right. and the, the Callaways and the stuff like that. Like, I don't think the lower level ones, like the noodles and the top lights and stuff, I don't think they're going to be even touched probably to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Cause they already don't go as far. Right. Um, but I imagine that's what it's going to feel like kind of as yeah. these golfers adjust to the new balls. If there is more touch and spin on it, it's probably going to feel like an amateur golfer where you're not necessarily feeling so much a difference mm-hmm. but you can tell there's a little bit of a difference like when you switch to a pro one your ball might go a little bit farther but it's also a lot more off track than it normally is because there's more spin on the ball now again it, it, it's either they could add more spin or even like i feel like if you really want to impact a professional you make them play with like uh like one, like if if they're like a Titleist athlete, right, and they use the Pro V ones, make them use the AVXs, like the stuff that's used for like amateur golfers. Yeah, because like that thing to a professional is like playing with a rock. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't spin. It has no. It has way too much forgiveness and no distance. It goes pin straight, which you don't want as a professional. Yeah, there's a chance that they just do that when they're talking about a quote unquote rollback. That's if a fantastic the, idea. Yeah, give the Callaway um, guys a warbird, basically. We give we mm-hmm. make the top ten golf balls used on tour illegal. Ooh. So they got they got just a bunch of top flights out there. Yeah. I like the Taylor made distances are gone. The Callaways are gone. The Pro V ones are gone. Like all the top tier golf balls are gone, and you're forced to use these lower ones that don't have as much technology behind them. Yeah, because because really, I guess, I mean, when you when you look at the golf balls on tour, it's like your your very classic, you know, TPXs, Titleist Pro V ones, Callaway, um, Chrome Sauce, right? Yeah. So here here are the top ten balls on tour right now: uh, the Titleist Pro V one, Titleist Pro V one X, Callaway Chrome Soft X, TaylorMade TP five X. Srixon Z Star XV, Titleist Pro V1 Left Dot, whatever the fuck that means. I don't even, I have no idea what that means. Uh, Bridgestone Tour B, TaylorMade TP5, Callaway Chrome Soft X Prototype, and Titleist Pro V1 Left Dash. Mm. Okay. Why are there so many Pro V1s? So the next used golf ball on tour which would then like i guess move into that number one seed if we're going to talk about it like that yeah. is the srixon z-star diamond okay so not too much different than the the z-star that's top yeah. five or whatever so that that feels like it's probably going to be about the same type of yeah 
quality. So it would even have it to be more of a restriction on it. You'd have to think so because right now that that ball is the only professional that is using that ball right now is Brooks Kepka, who by the way just dominated a bunch of golf this last year. So expect that golf that golf ball to be used <laughs> even more anyways now. True. From all this Rickson guys. Um, so yeah, you're gonna you're probably gonna have to if we're talking about a full rollback, you're going to have to basically deaden the ball to mm. an amateur level. So in talking about this, obviously, to our amateur listeners, which I'm going to assume is a majority of you, yeah. uh, this does impact us as well as this is they are not going to bifurcate. That is right. They decided to use that word. Because everybody knows what that means. Because everybody knows what that means. R- Riz is the official <laughs> word of the year, but the PGA Tour decided bifurcate was the word to use to describe things to the bunch of idiots that use the word riz on the golf course all the time yeah the definition of bifurcation by the way is the division of something into two branches or parts basically what it means is they will not be splitting the sport between professionals and amateurs Mm -hmm. the golf balls are being rolled back for everybody across the board now the bifurcation theory is where things start to get weird it's a mathematical study of changes in the qualitative or topological structure of a given family of curves such as the integral curves of a family of vector fields. You know, so that's the word we decided to go for. Yeah. Um, because even the description gives me a headache. Because even just the word separate wasn't good enough for you, was it, PJ Tour? We're just they can just say everybody's balls are getting rolled back, whether you're yeah. professional or not. That was fine. No, you know, I didn't need the didn't need the I forget it. I didn't need a four-syllable word I've never heard of in my life. <laughs> um oh man, the Hess truck commercial. Sorry, that was a. Uh, I'm allowed to have distractions. It's Christmas season, anyways. Um, so when you really look at the the grand scheme of things for amateur golfers, is a lot going to actually change? No. Only if you have no, not really. Only if you <laughs> have a very high swing speed, and by high swing speed, I mean into the high 90s, even touching 100s on the swing speed. Um, I do know two people in my life that have that kind of swing speed. I think but how many golfers do you know? That's that's fair. I know. <laughs> I mean, I know probably under 50 golfers as far as friends are concerned. So that's going to that's going to impact 4 out of 100 of uh, if you do the math that way. Uh-huh. It is going to affect 4% I would say of amateur golfers and that is probably being generous. I don't have that swing speed no matter how hard I try to swing. So is it going to impact me a lot? Probably not. Probably not. And Rick, you bring up a really good point. Are they even going to bother to roll back the like lower tiered golf balls that are? Already I don't know why they would. Guys? Why? I don't yeah. like as long as you're not rolling the other ones back so much that top flights become better than Pro V ones, which I don't know if they. I don't think they would do that. Would be hilarious mm-hmm. if top flight became the number one ball in golf because they rolled them back so much. That would be. And they didn't so touch fun. those. Yeah, It'd be hilarious. But they probably won't do that. They'll probably roll it back just enough. Um, yeah, they want to make sure that the the big name companies are still making money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't think it's going to affect most golfers that much. And I'm so excited for the first tournament after I go out and golf with someone who's a pretty decent golfer, and they they blame their bad score on the golf ball being rolled on back, the and then I can back. just send I can just send them the leaderboard for the tour, and I'm like this. Actual golfers are doing the same thing, and they're not complaining. <laughs> and if they are, 
Nobody's listening. Like, I really hope, I really hope I go out to golf with someone and they complain about the ball being rolled back, messing with their score. And like that same Sunday, someone shoots, like finishes with like 28 under par on tour or something. Like like, well under par. (laughs) Yeah. Which is possible, right? These are professional golfers. They will figure yeah. it out, I'm sure. They're they're gonna, you know, go into the lab or whatever they do and figure out how to use these golf balls. It's not going to to hamper the sport, I think, that much. The main issue and the main crux of the problem, and that this has been talked about since rolling back the ball was even brought into an idea, um, what it feels like probably two years ago. Yeah. Um, is they want to make sure that older courses don't have to be impacted so greatly as far as course design, tee box location, things of that nature. Because a lot of these older courses really are kind of national landmarks, when, especially when you're talking about like the, the old uh, old course in Scotland and a lot of those European courses and even, you know, courses around the country, you know, Bethpage Black, your historic courses. There's not a whole lot that you really want to do to them to take away from what they've been. Yeah. You know? Now, also, could you blame golf club technology? A hundred percent. I don't know what they would do about that. But even Tiger Woods, when he was talking in his in his media about press conferences, he said, I think I was talking to you guys yesterday, but I've been hitting the ball farther than I did when I entered the tour. Um, he, he says that's because he's able to find the the center of the club face every every time. So it's pretty much a given that it will go as far as possible based off the technology that he has. Um, but that's the thing, right? These guys can hit on the center of the club face every time yeah, without a doubt. And when they don't hit the center of the club face, they go, mm, that was a bit off the toe. The ball still went straight and like 200 yeah. yards, but they're like, that yeah. ah, came off the toe a little bit. If I hit that, I'm like, I squared that bad boy up. That thing was great shot. Tattooed. Great shot. <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's such a different, um, such a different thing for the professionals than it is the amateurs yeah i wouldn't go worrying about too much if i was anybody who's not a professional but as far as professional game is concerned there's definitely bound to be some of these heavy hitting guys some of these guys that really take advantage of how far they can hit out of the tee box they don't have to be as dialed in around the greens because of that distance advantage you're gonna see those guys struggle a lot yeah definitely and they already have been struggling i would say i mean I, I think you and I have both noticed uh, ever since the Bryson DeChambeau experiment, guys that decided to chase the distance had a bit of a struggle when it really negatively impacted the rest of their game. I remember, I remember Roy McIlroy being generically bad. Oh, yeah, very bad. Six to seven months. That's because he was chasing distance. Um, when he Hulkamaniaed out of his out of his polo because he was just so mad about his play. And he admitted yeah. it. He was like, I was chasing distance and I wasn't worried about the important parts of the game. And that's around the green approach shots and putting, which I feel like there's always somebody in any generation of golfer that goes, I'm just going to hit the shit out of the ball. John Daly did it in the 90s. Bryson yeah. Chambo did it in the 2010s. You know, like there's always going to be the guy that's like, I'm just going to see if hitting the ball a country mile can win me tournaments. And it does sometimes, right? You'll yeah. get those wins. He won a US, he won a full major because he was able to just bully the golf course. Yep. Doesn't work everywhere, man. He thought he was going to dominate the Masters. Augusta National chewed him up and spit him out. And so I'm really interested to see how those guys like Kevin Kisner or, you know, your more surgical players, your more tactical players benefit from this in a way and not having these guys just 
drive the ball 400 yards and they're only two feet off of the green. So they don't even have to chip or do an approach. They can just, they can just putt without that advantage. Now, where are we at? Right. You have guys that can throw lawn darts from anywhere who will, who will definitely get an advantage. Let me ask you this. Who do you Uh, think is going to be the most affected by this? Oh, on tour right now. um, Like just in general, or like, am I looking at like the top 10? In general, like who do you think if I if I said who do you think is going to be the most affected by this, whose scores are going to get significantly not significantly as in like twelve strokes, but like significantly as in like maybe half a stroke a stroke worse every round, um, yeah, I, just because of this rollback. Honestly, I worry a little bit about guys like Tony Finau, and that was uh, exactly who I was thinking. Yeah, a, a little bit like Tony Finau and even John Rom, in a way. John Rom was my first thought, but. John Rahm, we haven't seen really struggle around the greens all that much. Right. When Tony Finau gets in his putting yips, oh yeah, all he has is his distance. Mm-hmm. And he'll hit it farther than a lot of the guys out there, but it takes him a bit to get where he needs to be on the green. So he's the one that I'm most concerned about because if they roll it back and he's sitting to the same spot everybody else is sitting at, and now he still has to hit his approach shots, and if his putter's not even close to on, he's done for. Yeah. And you know the the more you, you brought up putting yips there, the more maybe I start to worry about Scotty Scheffler a little bit. He's not like one of the heaviest much hitters. Like, much like he did this past season, yeah, definitely yeah. would be concerned a little bit. But I think Scotty's approach game is way better than Tony's. A hundred percent. Um, you know, and that you bring up a really good point that there are going to be guys like that that don't even hit the ball, like they're not breaking records out there, mm-hmm. right? They just hit it far enough to make up for some gaps in their games and, and they wind up actually winning a couple of tournaments or getting a couple of good top tens because that distance helps them. Yeah. You're kind of taking that away. Um, so I'm interested to see how it affects uh, a couple of guys, but I'm, that was a good question. I think like uh, definitely Tony Finau would be a guy that will be negatively affected by this. Uh, all right. To keep on keeping on here, we do in fact have some golf this weekend. Surprisingly enough, it is not technically a PGA Tour event. It is actually the Grant Thornton Invitational. It is a first of its kind event. Um, there's not a previous tournament that has happened like this, and it is the first time this event is actually taking place. Rick, I believe you have some details on the event. Yeah, so this is super exciting. Um, this is obviously the inaugural time, the inaugural event. We've never mm-hmm. had it before. Right. Um, it is a 16 two-person team event. Combining the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour, um, the purse is $4 million. So it's split evenly between the teams, obviously. Um, And it's a three-day event instead of a four-day event. So it starts on Friday with scramble format. Saturday, we have foursome alternate shot format. And then the final round on Sunday, we have the modified four-ball format. Um, We've talked about all those before, so we're not going to go through them again for what they all are. Um, But... This event is happening Friday to Sunday. And again, it's LPGA and PGA players. I'm looking to see where the thing, the uh, pairings are. Cause I did have those. I do. I do have the pairings here. Okay. I got it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I'm going to butcher so many of these LPGA names. Cause I don't know enough. About them. <laughs> it, it, happens. it happens. Trust me. Okay. So bear with me. We're going to try our best. Team one, we have Madeline Sagstrom and Ludwig Aberg, our guy. 
We the... have Allison Corpus and Cameron Champ. Okay. That's we a... have Brooke Henderson, pretty big name on the LPGA Tour, and Corey Connors. Everybody knows him. Are they both Canadian? Brooke Henderson's Canadian, right? I believe so. This is a fun one. We have Lilia Vu and Joel Damon. Ooh, okay. Uh, oh, this is a fun one, too. We have Lydia Ko and Jason Day. Lydia is a huge name on the LPGA Tour for those. Massive name, yeah. Uh, <laughs> next grouping is Celine Boutier and Harris English. Harris English is pretty boring, but whatever. Nerd. The guy we just talked about, Tony Finau, and the one who's probably going to carry him to victory this weekend, Nelly Corda, the Absolutely. best player on the LPGA Tour. Carry his ass. <laughs> By a mile. Um, <laughs> we have probably the second best player on the LPGA Tour, Lexi Thompson and Ricky Fowler. So that's another interesting pairing. PDR himself. I like it. We have Leona McGuire and Lucas Glover. Mel Reed and Russell Henley. Cheyenne Knight and Tom Hoagie. Andrea Lee and Billy Horschel. Megan Kang, also a pretty big name on the LPGA Tour, and Denny McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Charlie Hull on the LPGA Tour, and Justin Rose. Uh, oh, this is a tough one. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rioni? Wanning Yin. There we go. God, I hope I said that right. And Nick Taylor. Uh, Rose Zhang and Sahit Sigala, Sigala are our last pairing. Um, so not super big names from the PGA tour. Most of the big names from the LPGA tour are here though. So yeah, I mean, that's, that'll huge. be kind of exciting to see yeah. the dynamic between the better LPGA players and the more middle of the road PGA players. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited. Nelly Corda destroys everybody uh -huh. to be completely honest. Um, either her or Lexi, uh, and honestly, based on, pairings could go either way because yeah. i think right now tony and ricky are about the same the same level yeah and really i i am very excited to see which pga tour players get fully carried by yeah. the lpga tour counterpart yes it's gonna be so fun to watch i mean just just nothing will be better than tony finau getting a w while, while just not doing a damn thing uh-huh that's gonna be so funny yeah. um yeah, and this is a great event because we've already talked about, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this before at length um, about the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour need to start doing com combined events, help the LPGA Tour game grow. And, you know, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is this is the kind of event that helps both, both leagues grow, and specifically the LPGA Tour, right? Because... Yeah. A, it doesn't interfere with the PGA Tour season, right? I mean, the next biggest PGA Tour event is in the, the new year. Same goes to the LPGA Tour. You're able to do this because there's a gap in the schedule, and that's the kind of stuff that we want filling the gap in the schedule. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. So, also, I, I like the little Ryder Cup type of style there, where it's like it's a team competition, so you have team games where you have the we have the four ball, you have the uh, – the scramble stuff like that like that's going to be that's going to be cool just to witness in general um yeah. but you know on top of that i feel like what a what a great way you know I, i'll say it again just what a great way to fill a gap in the season this is exactly yeah. what we did, you know yeah we've been asking for it for forever now <laughs> yeah uh it, it's one of those things where you 
finally get to see the PGA Tour maybe not fucking something up. <laughs> we'll see how the tournament goes. Don't get too yeah. far ahead of yourself. Yeah, it's fair. I'm not going <laughs> to kill my chickens before they hatch. That's fair. Um, but, hey, that's the golf that we have to look forward to here. Uh, as far as the rest of the season is concerned, or the rest of the calendar year is concerned, uh, there aren't any PGA Tour scheduled events uh, for the rest of the year here. Let me see if I can ha- pop on the PGA Tour website um, to take a look at the schedule. Yeah, so the next PGA Tour season event will be in 2024. Excuse me, and that is going to be the Century Tournament of Champions at the Plantation Course in Kapalua, and that is when the Hawaii Swing begins. So that'll be the first weekend in January. We'll be here with the coverage of that, obviously. As far as episodes through the holidays, we don't know. We'll update you. Um, Obviously, Rick's got a whole lot going on post-wedding, and, you know, it's the holiday season after all. Anyway, so that's going to do it for this episode, unless you got anything uh, pressing there, my buddy. No, I think it was a I think it was a good talk. I'm excited to see how the tournament this weekend goes, and uh, we can talk about it next week. Indeed, and then obviously in the new year we'll get to start talking about uh, the the golf balls being rolled back. Maybe do a little compare contrast type of deal. Although it will yeah, be neat to watch us be bad with not only last year's golf balls, but this year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then nothing changed whatsoever. Uh, but as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys all the time. Uh, and, you know, it would be real great if you guys just hit follow on our social medias uh, from the uh, from the tips underscore pod on Instagram and uh, at FTT underscore pod on X, formerly known as Twitter. Go ahead and follow on those guys so you can stay in tune with what we're doing. And we'll we'll post on there if we're going to be doing any more episodes through the holiday season. We'll let you guys know on there. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we out. Thanks, guys. See you later.